before we get going, here's the bit where I remind you that nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets. You're about to listen to a special preview edition of the Grant Williams podcast featuring my friend and very special guest, Julian Brigton of MI2 Partners. Every chance I get to talk with Julian is uh, an absolute pleasure and this conversation was no different whatsoever. We talk about uh, central bank policy, we talk about um, opportunistic disinflation, we talk about why the Bank of Japan may not be quite the uh, canary in the coal mine that many people think and we talk about some of the enormously asymmetric trades that are about to be presenting themselves to macro investors all around the world. Every episode of the Grant Williams podcast, including The Endgame, The Super Terrific Happy Hour, The Narrative Game, This Week in Doom, and Shifts Happen, is available to copper and silver tier subscribers at my website, grant-williams.com. Copper tier subscribers get access to all the podcasts, while members of the silver tier get both the podcasts and my monthly newsletter, Things That Make You Go Hmm. So, if you enjoy what you hear on the show, and you want more high-quality content like it, then please make your way over to grant-williams.com and join our exciting community today. And with that, on with the show. Well, Julian, mate, it's so good to see you again. It's been it's been quite a while. It's been well over a year since we last had one of these chats. It has been, yes. What and what a year! So, look, there's obviously there's so much going on, and uh, you know the biggest thing that everybody's talking about is the pivot, and I'm sure we'll come to that later mm. on. But what I'm, what I'm curious to start with with you is just to get your sense with all the clients that you talk to and on all the people that you speak with, what's the kind of top of mind thing that keeps coming back at you? So I think, you know, and you can see it in the price action. I mean, the macro community had a had a very good year last year, by yeah. large. You know, they tend to do very well when there's there's destruction around. And, and that was definitely, you know, 21 and 22 have been fantastic years. Uh, I think people are running quite low risk at the moment uh, in general, certainly immediate risk. I think there's some structural plays still on the books for further out, Grant, and we could talk about that in a second. But right here, right now, I think things were summed up well by one of my clients who said to me, you know, I have 150 units of risk and I have 15 on. Right. And... You know, it's partly the time of the year. You don't stick your nads on the line in January and February and then, you know, and lose them, right? Because that's the year gone. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, right. you, this is the time of the year where you take sort of chip shots. And uh, and I think there's a fair degree of uncertainty. And I think probably the, the prescient issue is when is this bugger going to roll over and die, right? When is this economy going to roll over? In fact, you know, if I look at my the title of my sort of running, and I always run a sort of constantly updated presentation, you know, just in case someone says, can I have your sort of 30,000 foot view of the world right here, right now? And it's termed, you know, are we there yet? That's the title, right? You know, are we there yet in terms of policy? So can the policymakers back off? And are we there yet in terms of the economy? And I think, you know, we've all looked at this and been somewhat, surprised by the strength of the of the data you know what's causing that i'm somewhat in the 
crappy seasonal adjustments, warm weather, plus what I refer to as hyper-financialization. So in other words, the sort of basing of the equity market in October is already feeding through into some of these stronger PMI uh, metrics. Um, And I've seen quite a lot of people start to question, and people I really respect start to question the, you know, ask that question, could it be different? Because this bugger should be should be dying. But I think, you know, you're probably like me because you're the same generation. You, you probably watched every single Bond movie three times over. At least, yeah. So do you remember GoldenEye? I do. With I do that, with, uh, with, 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 with the, on the top. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, the second best Bond girl's name ever after Pussy Galore, right? <laughs> <laughs> So, um, oh, I think I think actually, I would I would argue that uh, Plenty O'Toole in um, <laughs> was was the other one where Sean Connery's line was named after your father, presumably. <laughs> God, gone are those days that we could even get away with saying that you'd go straight to jail if you put that into a movie these days. Anyway, um, so in Goldeneye, there's that um, sort of Russian programmer. You know who's the oh yes, uh, God, what's his name? Boris. I yeah, Boris. Who's yeah. you know? And anyway, so in that classic sort of last scene of a Bond movie, right? Everything's blowing up, right? And Boris is burrowing away on his on his PC, and everything around him implodes. And he kind of looks around, and he realizes he's still intact. And he stands up, and he says, "I am invincible." At which point? The liquid nitrogen tanks behind him rupture, and he's turned into a popsicle. Okay, right. <laughs> and I have that feeling, Grant. When I and I think this is the question that the clients are trying to ask. You know, just because it hasn't hit you yet, are you invincible? You know, is yeah. it different? Or is it just that you haven't got hit by the liquid nitrogen yet? And is it coming? And and I think the the more the risk that this policy tightening keeps going, and the more that the data is distorted, not quite slowing yet, the greater the risk that at some point we will tip hard. And I know that the Fed is desperate to avoid the errors of the 60s and 70s. And one of the biggest errors was this was this move from nice predictive policy if you if you think about you know the economy as a sort of sine wave around a long term trend of growth right so you got 1.75 trend growth or whatever the number yeah. you pick right and then you're a little overheating at the top and you come in nice predictive policy damp 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 you know encourage it on the bottom and you get these beautiful great moderation kind of periods of extended growth where nothing gets out of whack. And you go and look at the 60s and 70s, and it just gets absolutely, completely out of kilter, right? They are raising hundreds of basis points, and then they're cutting almost the same amount. And then the next time they're rising even more, and then cutting even more and even more. And to me... That was because they got essentially behind the curve, right? They kept policy goes from being preemptive to being reactive. Yeah. And as a result, they actually exacerbate the cycle. They tighten too much, 
They set, you know, they ease too much on the other side. And in a way, you know, for for market people, it's like trading negative gamma, right? Yes. They're paying the highs, they're selling the lows, and your position gets really, really out of whack. Like your PL gets really, really badly damaged. And they're very desperate to do that, Grant. They've been incredibly desperate to not go back to that that sort of volatility that we had. You know, stop go economics, boom bust cycles, everything that you and I as kids grew up with before yeah. 1985. And yet, when I look at this, I can't help but think that's where we could be going. I mean, I look at, you know, we joked before we got in the air about, you know, how do you receive. Swedish swaps, right? Yeah. And the reason why I do it is I look at the Ricks Bank and they've got super hawkish. And I look at the underlying economy, and some of my models are suggesting the worst recession in 30 odd years. And that's saying something because that means worse than COVID and worse than the global right. financial right. crisis. And I can't help but sit there and go, oh my God, this could be bad. And I think. So to go back to your original question, I think that's what clients are trying to figure out because the macro crowd looks at the equity crowd and they go, no landing? Yeah. What, what fucking planet are you on? Right? Just because the liquid nitrogen hasn't hit you yet, let's not forget, really, we've got to go another two weeks before it was a year ago that the Fed started raising rates. Yeah. Right? So- these things work with a lag. And I look out there and I look at things like, you know, commercial real estate and private equity and a whole bunch of stuff. And, you know, to use another film analogy, there are a lot of dead people out there that you just don't realize they're dead yet. Yes. Well, it's, it's fascinating. That, that golden eye analogy is really interesting because, of course, one of the conceits that went through from the very opening scene when Sean Bean was a goodie. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, to the for, can you have a spoiler alert for a nineteen ninety four film? I don't know if you can or not. Um, to the end was this mismatch with the timers being set, but at a different time yeah. to the time that the guys thought. And and when you bring this up and I think about it, it's so true, right? That's that's where we are. You because you stand up thinking you're invincible, but all the time behind you, there's this ticking going on that at some point is going to blow that nitrogen tank wide open. And you know when I when I have these conversations with people, the, same as you, this idea of no landing, which has become kind of wishful thinking, but so many people seem happy to embrace it. And unfortunately, the feedback they're getting from particularly equity markets is that hey, we might just get away with this. Yeah, we might, You're we fine. might. But it's that idea of hope not being an investment strategy, you know. Because no. it, I spoke to um, James Aitken recently, and we, and we were talking about. This and he, and he said, look, you know, what I've been saying to people is, what would 7% Fed funds rate mean for your portfolio? And he pointed out to me that he'd said a year ago, what would 4% Fed funds mean for your portfolio? And people were like, well, never get there because the system will break. Okay. And I think those are the kind of conversations that people need to be having in their heads. It's like, okay, I know it sounds wacky. Of course it sounds wacky. But what does this mean if they have to go here? Because everything I'm seeing is the Fed particularly, and the ECB kind of playing catch-up. Andrew's sentence is wobbling a bit now, but desperately grabbing the market by the lapels and saying, we really are serious. We right. really, really mean what we're saying. Please yeah. believe us. Yeah. What does it take for people to actually believe them, do you think? Look, I mean, I don't know. I mean, remember, I mean, I, you know, I saw some fantastic chart the other day where um, 
and obviously you and I are complete abject failures because this is not the case. You know, if you're a partner now in a hedge fund or a partner in a you start... The full conversation is available to subscribers to the copper and silver tiers of my website, grant-williams.com. Nothing we discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational and hopefully entertainment purposes only. So while we hope you find it both informative and entertaining, please do your own research or speak to a financial advisor before putting a dime of your money into these crazy markets.